KCSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, as UCSB students face the housing crisis, local organizations rally, and many students have also been offered to live in local hotels. Earlier in September, Othmika Iyer, the Daily Nexus County News Editor, hosted an episode of Inside Isla Vista, talking about the status of the housing crisis a couple weeks before classes started at UCSB. Students have now been going to classes in person for two weeks now, but is the housing crisis completely resolved? Later on in the show, you'll hear from two UCSB students who are currently housed in local hotels. But right now, we'll have Othmika speak about what the current situation of the housing crisis is like, as well as her own personal experience finding housing. So, Othmika, could you talk a little bit about what the current state of the housing crisis is like? Yeah, so um, I definitely think it's leveling off temporarily. And what I mean by that is... UCSB has been able to shove a temporary solution, hotel housing, um, towards people who uh, were, you know, facing the brunt of the housing crisis. So temporarily, the people that were uh, in need of housing have, they have an option. And you see a couple small things still here and there. There was the COLA protest on Monday, uh, where students, uh, around 30 to 40 students, gathered to uh, tell the admin that they really need to look at the housing situation and that what happened wasn't okay. But yeah, you definitely see a leveling off. I say temporary because this, this solution is only for fall quarter right and so it's definitely leveling off for the time being i think the admin really needs to sit down and ask themselves how to create a long-term solution because the housing crisis happens every year it was just exacerbated by the pandemic they had a year and a half to sit down and find some potential solutions for this problem that's been happening for years and years and years and instead of doing that well, we got to a point where, you know, what was it? Almost a thousand students were on a wait list. That's a little bit insane, irresponsible and negligent to say the least. So they found a temporary solution. It's definitely leveling off. But I think this needs to be an ongoing conversation, right? Just because people have hotel rooms doesn't mean that we shouldn't still be having this conversation um, and hopefully working proactively for the next school year so that we don't get a bunch of excuses, we get some solutions. And do you know if some students are still facing houselessness? Like, is the administration doing anything to help with that? So I I can say personally that I was someone who uh, lacked housing for a long time. Um, and I contacted the university, me and my roommate, we contacted the university, and they told us that the waitlist was 900 people long. And this was before the hotel announcement had been made. And so in my mind, uh, I sort of said, well, I'm not going to join the waitlist. It's 900 people long. I don't, I'm not going to get housing through this. And that's a mindset a lot of people did have. Um, so I am still seeing a lot of people posting or talking about the fact that they're living out of their vans or they're commuting from two hours away. Someone told me that uh, they live in the Bay Area and they found a midpoint between the wow. Bay Area and here and they're driving every like every day. Um, there are people still couch surfing. It's less visible 
especially on social media, um, just because people have found these temporary solutions, but that is sort of the problem, right? They are temporary solutions. Yeah. Couch surfing is only going to last for so long. Vans, I've actually seen a couple people do that out of like their own will, but there are definitely a couple people that have decided to join van life because they couldn't find a place. So yes, definitely there are people who I think maybe avoided going on the uh, universities waiting list since it was so long that have taken to solutions like a very very long horrendous commute uh, van life or couch surfing and touching back on the rally and the protest that you talked about earlier mm-hmm. held by the UCSB for cost of living adjustment um, along with organizing organize IV organize IV right yeah. could you talk about what they're doing yeah so um, one Uh, UCSB for COLA and Organize IV are two organizations that have really been on the forefront, along with a couple others, of one trying to hold the university accountable. So far, the university has just said, well, we did not violate the Long Range Development Plan. For listeners, the Long Range Development Plan is an agreement between the county and the university about uh, several things, uh, but it specifically includes a component to have adequate housing when uh, raising the amount of students that come to UCSB so that they stay in tandem. So the university maintains the line that it did not violate the Long Range Development Plan. Um, And so because of that, those are two organizations that have been actively working to hold them accountable for this current crisis. They've also been good about being very active on social media. If any students on Instagram, I'm I'm sure they've seen at least a repost from UCSB for COLA and Organize IV. And they've been, you know, posting resources, uh, different ways for students to get involved and voice their opinion to the university. So yeah, they've been doing a lot recently. That sounds great. And... For your own personal experiences with having trouble finding housing, what was that like? Was it frustrating? Like, how did you walk through the process of eventually finding housing? I can call myself quite privileged because I have lived 19 years and the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with was this housing crisis. Um, So my roommate and I had a contract with CBC and the Sweeps. They terminated our lease because um, the people whose room we were gonna get decided to stay anyway. And the best they could do is offer us a spot on the wait list. (laughs) So, um, and actually that had happened a couple times with CBC. Twice we were told we had a room and then that we no longer had that room, Mm -hmm. which was incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Um, And so we we lost housing, I wanna say uh, early to mid July. And at first I was like, mid-July, the the housing crisis wasn't as apparent yet, right? Like it was sort of in in the beginnings of of people realizing like, oh, this is about to turn into a shit show. So for the first week or so, I, I was able to keep my calm, keep my cool and just, you know, call every place I could, get on every wait list I could, talk to everyone I could, um... I will admit, I every time I'd ca- I called people, my voice would go up like, oh my god, hi, you know, a few octaves just to be like, I'm really interested in a good person, so please give me a place to live. Um, it was seriously, genuinely the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. I wasn't able to sleep for a few weeks of it. The anxiety was just so horrible of what am I going to do if I have to come to UCSB and I have no place to live? Mm-hmm. So... 
I did not sleep for a few weeks. I was able to maybe grab two hours and I'd call that a victory. Um, and during the day, I'd be checking every single Facebook group every five minutes. Getting a response was like a miracle, right? Even if it was like a, we'd like to hold an interview with you, it was like the best thing that could happen. Um, and on the other side of it, right, like for people looking for housemates, this was such an ideal situation because they had a huge array of students. So they could, you know, interview and find someone that works perfectly well for them. On our end of it, especially as school got really, really close, it was kind of frustrating because people would be taking their time trying to pick people yeah. out. And you're just like, well, I have a week left till school starts and no place to live. Um, so definitely probably just extremely anxiety inducing. I'm not even someone who gets anxious very easily. Um, and those few weeks were hell. Um, I will say that perhaps where the university lacked in leadership, the community here really stood up. There were people who I maybe met once or twice that were like, you can sleep on my couch. And you know, like we have an extra room or something like that. So the students and the, the people around me here were just really amazing and super supportive. And honestly, I think the administration could learn a lesson or two there. Um, but eventually the way I ended up founding housing, which was just really by chance, um, my aunt is a doctor and she has some friends who live here or who work here. And so she sort of uh, at told them, one of them told their daughters who then posted in their Facebook condo group wow. saying, hey, like a family friend is looking for housing. Is anyone interested? Um, and two weeks after that initial post, someone responded. This was a week before um, uh, week zero. Wow. So really close. To really, that. really close. A week before week zero. Um, so that lady responded to our family friend on Facebook, uh, the lady I'm currently living with. And um, she said, well, I have a place to live. And so that day, my parents and I drove down because uh, in the process of all of this, there were definitely a lot of um, scams and it just felt too good to be true so i was like all right mom dad you're coming we got to do this got to make sure it's not a scam yeah. um and we came we met her she was really sweet and uh the next like right before week zero i was able to move in and and be able to have a place to stay of course there are pros and cons right like it's not great that i have to drive here every day so that's definitely not super fun. And uh, I was a little bit sad that I didn't get to be in IV around all my fellow students um, and, and really enjoy my first year of college like that. But I'm not going to complain at all because I just, I, we got to that point where it was like, I just need a roof over my head and I got it. So it was a process. Uh, anxiety, extreme anxiety-inducing process, uh, but I got it, so. Yeah, I'm glad you found housing eventually. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, you know, the university has been sort of using the tagline excuse of, well, students aren't choosing as many high-density housing situations, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit suspicious about whether or not that's really true. Just because every situation I've seen where someone was able to find IV housing, it was a situation where they would have to be in a in a triple or a quadruple, or you know, there's two or three people living in a garage. 
I have seen several people get to work with some tools and turn living rooms into bedrooms. Wow. Yeah. It's not fun to hear, Mm -hmm. but it's cool that they were able to do it. Yeah, that's a lot of work, though. A lot of work. um, Some people are putting up shower curtains to create a living room bedroom or, like, actually, like, physically building walls. So it's the lengths people have gone to this year definitely – surpass what I consider at least to be normal. Yeah, that sounds insane. Yeah. (laughs) This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. Today we're speaking about the local housing crisis faced by UCSB students. Later on, we'll get to hear from UCSB students housed in local hotels and learn about what it's like to live over there. But right now, we're hearing from Athmika Iyer as I ask her about first years and transfer students being prioritized for university housing. It, the university prioritized first-time students in this entire process. Uh, it was actually interesting because uh, we got an email, um, well, we were able to acquire an email uh, from a grad student who was offered undergrad housing because they're mantra being if you're a first-time student we would like to support you so a lot of non-first-time students and international students uh were really kind of left in the wind so um and we actually we wrote it uh asumi shuda and pia ramos both wrote an article um focusing on how international students have kind of really been neglected in this process because when there's a housing crisis and you live in the united states checking facebook every five minutes isn't a big deal because you're in the same time zone as everyone else but if you're not awake during the time that everyone is posting it's sort of hard to like jump in and find a place so you know uh first time students were definitely prioritized um a lot of people weren't uh, a lot of vulnerable populations were not and um i think I think there was maybe a better way to organize uh, finding housing for, for people. Um, just because, you know, continuing students still need housing. Just because they're not first time doesn't mean they lack sh- or they don't need shelter, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, yeah, that was something the university did. And it definitely bit, bit a lot of people in the butt. On the topic of international students, we were able to talk to Mariko Fujiwara, who is an exchange student from Japan, currently living at the hotel in Goleta. My name is Mariko Fujiwara, and I'm an exchange student here, and I'm staying up for a year here, and my major is communication. And what does your day look like living in the hotel? Um, It's kind of boring, because I don't have roommate there, and... I think there are some people like living at the same hotel, but um, I don't meet them usually. So I just have like Netflix, and yeah, I'm watching it like whole day. And how's the commute going back and forth from campus and to your hotel? Um, it takes forty minutes by bus to go to the school, and it's kind of uh, long and far mm-hmm. away. So is it hard? Uh huh. And would you have preferred to live in university housing or were you okay with living in the hotel? Um, I really want to move into the university housing because um, I said, it, like as I said, it's so boring 
I just uh, want a roommate. How long is the hotel contract for? Um, the UCSB um, tells us it's uh, until December. So, like, I think which means um, fall quarter. Yeah. And by that, by December, like, I have to um, um, find a new housing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how you're going to find new housing? No, um, actually, I'm on the wait list for housing, so maybe um, they can prepare for us the space, but um, we're not sure about it. Do you find it frustrating to have to live so far away from the campus? Um, a little bit, but I'm okay with it. It's kind of hard, though. <laughs> After the interview, Mariko mentioned how the bus route closest to her hotel runs only until 7 p.m., restricting her time on campus. Although there are students like Mariko who find it hard to live alone in a hotel room, there are others who don't mind it. I spoke with Joseph Jacobs, a third-year UCSB student who is currently living at the... So far, uh, happy with everything that's happened in the giving housing situation. And my school experience has been about the same pace, pretty much just happy all the way around. What does your day look like from commuting to the hotel to getting on campus and then going back to your hotel? So I really feel like this has worked out for the better in my sort of situation. I know people who live in Isla Vista are going to be a lot closer and have a lot easier when it commutes. I typically in the mornings would just drive as close as I possibly can. And then from there, take a bicycle on the bike path and then get to class that way. Some of the students who live off campus, outside of Isla Vista, have cars to commute to school. But considering parking difficulties in the area as well as biking on campus, I asked Joseph how he carries a bike and a car to school every day. So I just have a regular old bike rack that I keep my bike on and I end up parking just in some outskirty kind of neighborhood before I actually hit the bike path. It's, I believe, on the opposite side of Isla Vista and the campus itself, more so towards uh, Goleta. Um, yeah, I'd say my total commute from the hotel to the campus would range at about 40 minutes. So nothing too bad. And do you plan like what time you're about to leave to that extra bike ride that you have to make when you have classes at certain times? So I typically give myself about an hour of leeway time in between needing to be there for classes or any other appointments that I may have on campus. It makes things pretty easy. I'm lucky enough to have a lot of my classes in the later afternoon. So I'll typically only arrive in the morning if I'm going to use the rec center or if I'm looking to catch a meal. Could you talk a little bit more about what's included in your hotel contract? Was there a meal plan? Um, how long is the contract for and just things like that? So to my understanding, the contract is just for the fall quarter. It doesn't include a meal plan, but I get to use all the facilities that the hotel comes with. To my understanding, with other hotels and students in certain situations, that involves their uh, rec rooms, as well as their uh, dining commons and, and other food facilities. For me in particular, it just leads to the pool, the hot tub, and I believe just the breakfast room. So like your daily meals come out of your own out-of-pocket money? 
So that is correct. I ended up buying a meal plan through the actual school itself. So that I've been pertaining to thus far. And a lot of other students that were facing um, the housing crisis would have preferred for a remote option to be available for um, classes. Do you feel that same way? So with the remote option in particular, I'm aware that that works out spectacularly for some people. In my given case, that just isn't the thing. I need to be in a space where I'm surrounded by other peers in the same situation and able to use facilities that can benefit me throughout my scholastic learning here. So I feel like actually being on campus is leagues better than having to do school through Zoom. If you weren't offered the hotel contract or if you weren't able to find housing, were you considering just crashing on your friend's couches, living in your car, anything like that, just to be able to be in in-person classes? So there were a ton of different perspectives that were running through my mind in that same given scenario when I was looking for housing initially. If push did come to shove, I think I would end up just sleeping in my car or finding any other sort of accommodation I could to make it to class. UCSB housed students in various hotels within the local area, and based on each hotel, students received different amenities. As you just heard, Joseph, who lives at the purchased a meal plan on campus, but Mariko's hotel at included a kitchen along with utensils she can utilize to cook her own meals. After hearing from two students living in hotels, we now go back to Othmika, who will tell us a little about UCSB's history in the housing crisis. And this isn't the first time that there's a housing crisis, right? It's been a decade-long history at UCSB for students to not have housing. Yeah, I mean, housing crisis and I live, like, when I first came here, the first thing people would tell me about Isla Vista is be careful of the landlords, get a, find a place to live in November and December of the year prior. So basically for the next school year, find something this year in November or December. Um, I had, my old high school teacher is a UCSB alum. And um, when I told him that I was going to UCSB, he was like, good luck with the slumlords. That's word for word what he told me. So um, really seriously, it, this is a such a uh, long standing issue that was just exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, and, you know, I, I think there was a university representative who said there's no way the university could have seen this coming because you can't have a problem that's lasted years upon years and not think, hey, after a year of no instruction with thousands of people returning to this little town, maybe we should examine housing considering the housing crisis is something that happens every year. You can't tell me. It, it's either negligent or irresponsible or just I don't know what the right word is I'm at a loss for words and people always ask me like why are you so angry because I was on the other side of this you know it's a little bit personal it's definitely a long-standing issue which makes it worse that they didn't take the year and a half they had off 18 months 18 months is a time frame between when they shut down and when they started back up 18 months to solve this issue so Definitely a long-standing issue and a complete lack of response. Mm -hmm. And all of that, what I think it really says is that to the administration, 
not to all the faculty, but to the administration, we're walking paychecks. We are. It's, and I believe I'm almost exactly quoting a, a, from the story, but there's a fundamental flaw in the university's approach to education if the basic needs of their students aren't being met. You can't just have people come to your school and not make sure that they have a place to stay. You can't be a good student if you're scared about where you're going to live. Touching on the point of um, the protests regarding houseless people living in People's Park last year, um, time and time again, there tends to be very cavalier attitude taken towards people that lack housing. If anything, it can be antagonistic instead of helpful. And um, in the situation last year, it was a community response. We all should take responsibility for not being there to help people that are in some of the most vulnerable positions in their lives. This time around, when we're on the brunt of it, you know, it's the university that was taking a cavalier response. I think what it shows in general is that either we don't understand the gravity of lacking housing or we just don't care. But there are people that have had it quite a lot worse. And when you're here and you're expecting help from someone, that's the same but really worse scenario they're in. So I hope what people take from this is compassion and empathy um, for people that face houselessness for a very long period of time, people who don't have anyone to support them. And, you know, be able to use their own experiences as sort of a wake-up call to a change in their attitude. I will say that just because there isn't as much attention on this topic anymore does not mean that students should back off of this issue. Because what's going to happen is we're going to get to the 2022-23 school year and we're going to see a a slightly smaller scale housing crisis because people aren't returning from a pandemic. And we're all just going to shrug it off as like, oh, that's IV. And that really shouldn't be our attitude. We should demand what we deserve. Asking for basic shelter from a place that admitted us is not asking the biggest thing in the world. Not asking them to give me my PhD while graduating undergrad. You know, like, it is not an unreasonable request. And hold people accountable. You know, like, civic engagement, uh, especially among our generation, is a big thing. And... um, it's not just the national issues that need our attention, it's the local issues. That was Othmika Ayer, the Daily Nexus County News Editor, speaking on how the students and the local community need to continue to hold the UCSB administration accountable for the lack of housing. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5pm to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi. Our theme music is Siesta by Jazzer. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.